This is the EWN Podcast Network. Hi, Debbie Waisaki here with the South Florida Luxury Lifestyle Podcast. And today is our very first episode. And I could think of no one better than Lynette Janak. And she is with the Luxury Lifestyle Guide, formerly the South Florida Luxury Lifestyle Guide. And that can lead us to our very first question as to why you made the name. And then I have a a few other introductory questions for you. So Lynette, before I get into your, your background, let's hear why we changed the name because you and I have known each other now, I think for about 18 months. And I definitely, when I decided to start this podcast, I can think of no one better because you're great at connecting people in the luxury industry and lifestyle. And we live in South Florida where our experiences are rich, but sometimes people can overlook them and don't know where to find them. And you are an expert at finding where these amazing people are who can provide wonderful experiences to our new people moving to South Florida, or maybe people who have lived here who are just saying, hey, it's time to um, get out and I or I'd like to redo my house or whatever. So Lynette, take it away and tell us about the name change first and then what what's happening. Great. Well, thank you so much. I'm very excited and honored to be your first um, uh, guest speaker, I suppose, especially after I just published my 10th anniversary issue. Congratulations. Uh, that's, yeah. a, that's quite an accomplishment. Yeah, this is great and exciting. So um, yeah, I originally launched my publication 10 years ago as South Florida Luxury Guide. Um, And as the years have gone by, and I realized we put so much effort and um, content into our publication, that is really content that can be enjoyed nationally and even internationally. And so many people our second and third home buyers here, and they're coming from other areas. And so I decided to take South Florida out of the actual front end of the name. So it's really luxury guide now of Miami. We have a luxury guide of Broward and Boca Palm Beach. And now we're going to be having a luxury guide of various markets um, across the U.S., And those market expansions are actually going to be done in partnership with other companies that might want to be a market title sponsor. So um, that's a great idea. Yeah. So it's great because it's a win-win for everyone. um, Because again, the content, what the work that it takes to pull it all together and cover all the curation, because we do, we cover everything from travel to real estate, to home decor and design, to lifestyle, to happenings, concerts, shows, um, golf, timepieces, everything. We cover all things luxury. And to curate all of that together, the work that goes into producing one publication is a tremendous amount of work. And so now by creating these other opportunities, um, 80% of the content really can be utilized anywhere across the U.S. and and nationwide. And then the other 20%, what I found here, I'm very involved. We, the founder of the business, I am very on the front line still with everyone. 
um, because I love what I do. And um, I have found that they do like the local aspect. So I don't want to become a national publication that doesn't have a local feel as well, because right. you want to kind of know it's like going on vacation. You kind of like when you go on vacation, you just don't want to go where the tourists are. You kind of want to go and see what's the lifestyle about in that area as well. And so we want to keep luxury guide to still have that local connected feel of the local businesses. But at the same time, let's face it. I mean, if you're talking about cars or yachts and things of that nature, it could really be utilized anywhere. So Right. There's going to be a a local person who may jump out and be the specialist in that city or may offer a unique experience or perhaps like I love Bob Dennison. He's a fourth generation yacht guy, but he has people all over the world. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so he's my, he's my guy at least, but there's many (laughs) other yacht, there's amazing yacht brokers and agencies that also do incredible jobs in South Florida. So I don't want to discount them as well. Um, yes. And Bob would be the first to say that he has great relationships with all of them. Yeah. I mean, so, look, enough uh, yachters for the yacht companies, right? There's uh, enough out there for us all to share. Yes. I mean, we do live in Venice of America, right? <laughs> and I can, I can say that um, this season has been like none other um, as a realtor. And I'm sure all of your, uh, realtors who advertise would attest to that. Your luxury yeah. realtors, for sure. Yes. Um, that my clientele is coming from New York, Connecticut, uh, Massachusetts, Illinois, Ohio. Yeah, uh, a few from California. Believe it or not, they're buying oceanfront because they have oceanfront in California. But it's it's the taxes and politics that are driving them down here, for sure. Yeah. Um, because we're a very tax-friendly and business-friendly state. Yes, so absolutely. before you started the uh, luxury guide, um, you created content for some amazing publications. And so is that what led you to, to realize that there was a need for something that specifically curated content for luxury in a specific city and you liked warm weather? <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, that's, uh, I was actually here um, prior to that. I used to run the auto trader, yacht trader, boat trader, cycle trader. And one of the challenges there by having what I like to refer to as vertical reactive marketing platforms or print publications is that you're really reaching somebody only when they're in the market for a car or a yacht or real estate. And it's very reactive because now you're competing with all your competitors. And so to reach people proactively, you have to reach them months before they start looking. And how do you do that? Well, you do that by getting and curating all things luxury. So instead of having a separate real estate magazine or a separate yacht magazine or a separate home decor, which is very big, home design magazines, it's all home stuff. Those aren't publications that you look at consistently. You might look at it at that point in time when you're in the market. And so the key to marketing and the success of marketing is frequency. And repetition builds your reputation. And how if you're not repeatedly being in front of your prospective buyer, you're not building that reputation for yourself. You're only, you know, it's almost like dating. You don't go on one date and suddenly you're getting married the next day. 
<laughs> dates, right? And, 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 you know, reaching your prospect is, believe it or not, it, there's a relationship aspect to it. Advertising and marketing has so much correlation to building a relationship with someone and, and creating that funnel. So I always like to say the funnel is first, somebody's got to be aware of you, right? Then they got to be interested in you. Then they have to make the decision to either call you or look at your website. And then the fourth, you know, portion of that relationship is action. And so our job is first, we got to make somebody aware of you. And so, again, we want to make them aware of you by being still in the print publication industry, because if you're out of sight, you're out of mind and print, you know, tangibility is what really keeps um I, I like touching things and it could be my generation, but I, you know, I can many times when you subscribe to a publication, you can get it both digital, digitally and the hard copy. I see my kids who are in their twenties trying to read a whole book on their iPhone. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that would drive me insane. Yeah. But, um, I, I like to be able, and I, I'm a person who, if I see something I like, I like to rip it out and I'll make a note on it so it can remind me to call on that. Because yes, even yeah. if I put it in my um, calendar on my iPhone, um, sometimes the reminder, it will come up, but I'll be so busy on another call, I, I will forget. But having it in my to-do folder um, helps me. So having a tangible print product, like you're saying, I think is very important and the way you publish your um, publication, it um, you were very kind when I first started publishing it. You kept saying, it's not a magazine, it's a guide. And it really is. It, um, it does have that feel of a coffee table book. Yes. Um, even, it's, even though it's soft-sided, mm -hmm. um, it, it does have that longevity because the covers are so nice. So I, I think that does make, make a difference. I'm so, so happy to hear that because actually everything you just said has really been my goal. So I'm glad to see it's translated that way. I love to refer to us as a practical coffee table book. So it's we do keep our covers pretty on purpose. So people do want to keep it out almost as a, a coffee table book. But if you notice, like when you do coffee table books are so pretty, the real ones, they, you don't look at them. So I love to refer to it as a coffee table book or a practical one. And yeah, the whole concept of me being a guide, it's interesting because um, 10 years ago when I started this, I'm a writer, ironically, I'm not a big reader. I like to get to the bottom line, give me the footnotes and, you know, I want to know. And then if I want to read more, then have the option option to go on. Mm -hmm. And so that whole concept of the guide was to get to the nitty gritty of what's important and then drive people online to the website or showroom to learn more. And so that was the whole concept of whereas a magazine might be a long article that you read and throw away. I didn't want that for the guide. I wanted it to be a resource where we do the work. There's a lot of people out there who don't like to research for themselves just tell show me the options what there is to do and I'll pick from them and so that's kind of what we do and going back to your point about the print and the tangibility of it and you had mentioned um maybe it was your um age group or demographics why you like the print you'll be very surprised Debbie even people in their 20s still enjoy the print copy 
And that's good to know. Yeah, it's it's uh, very interesting. I always say you can't do marketing without market research. So I love to focus study and find out what moves people. Because at the end of the day, you know, I don't want to sell something. I want people to buy it. And they're only going to buy if you listen to what they want. And so, yeah, the print, I've um, surveyed people. We do have it, you're right, in digital and print. But I've asked people, hey, do you want to just get the digital copy instead of the print? And out of 100 people that I surveyed, not one person agreed to switch and just get the digital copy. So, yeah. Well, 25% of my real estate practice is luxury rentals. So I do put them in the uh, vacation rentals because it does provide them with a resource of things to do and all things luxury. And um, I love the Rob report because I like to know what's going on monthly Mm -hmm. from the Rob report, but this is more, a more practical guide, I think, Mm -hmm. for the people who are here and want, want to know what's going on and what is, what could be in South Florida if they were to be here. And um, so that's why I, I love it and love advertising in it. Now you do your rentals. It's important for you. And let me not mistake, like it's important to be where people are at the time. So let's say somebody is looking for a rental. They know they're leaving. They need to get a rental. Then you need to be in those places. But there's also, there's two sides of it. And that's why, you know, I never try to say, you know, digital and print complement one another because you Uh need there. Like, again, if people, my goal is instead of them Googling rental properties that they Google you instead, but somebody search for something they don't know. That's what we seem to forget. You don't just go to the Google bar and be like, oh, let me just Google Florida homes, you know, group. You want to actually Google, you're going to Google rental properties. Well, now all your competition is going to come up. But if they had something tangible and they kept seeing you or they had it in front of them, they're not going to Google that search word. They're going to Google your name. Correct. Yeah, it does make a difference. You want to be on both is really right. You and you have to hit all um, facets as a business owner. Now, one of the things that I loved about you, although COVID has thrown a little wrench in it, as you in part of your marketing plan and in part of my idea when Tyler presented it to me um, was that you curated experiences not only for the end consumer, but for the vendors in your publication where you put vendors together in small groups who, um, who would benefit from knowing each other because we have similar client bases who we might be able to mutually refer clients to each other. And I look at that look at it as co-opetition versus competition. And I've always viewed business that way. And I would rather go to, I always kind of, I call it a Rolodex, but it's obviously our cell phone. I always go through my Rolodex before I buy anything for myself or refer a client to someone to see if I know someone through my networking experience or that I've done business with. Because it's better to do someone, do business with someone that you have known because you can trust them. Yes. So now tell us a little bit more about these experiences that you create for your vendors. Okay, perfect. And that's really become a passion of mine. That actually, you know, um, came after I started my business because what would happen is I would, I'd, 
get a client and, you know, and then I'm like, oh, you would, I'm, I'm more of a marketing person than I am just a publishing. So I, I'm very creative and I love connecting people. It's a passion for me. And I'm like, oh, you should meet so-and-so. And then I was going to lunch, like almost every day, introducing people. And I'm like, this is, you know, a little bit time consuming, expensive, and I'm getting a little chunky. So <laughs> I got to get a little more efficient. So I decided to create those small. One of the things that I'm doing is these curated luncheons where I'll bring 16 people together and we rotate almost like a speed dating, but it's not that fast or, um, you know, 25 minute um, rotations where you have an appetizer at one table, lunch at another and dessert and coffee at another but the, the guests are somewhat curated so that we can make sure that people try can meet people who are ideally in their, what I like to refer to as a sphere of business. But one of the things I also learned about networking that people um, seem to sometimes get a little tunnel vision about is that oftentimes people think really big in my business is the home and design industry. Uh-huh. And so many um, businesses want to meet interior designers, architects, and GCs. So that's like kind of a core um, referral. And it makes sense. I get it. Um, because if you're a kitchen or you sell floors or window treatments, you want to reach designers. Because if you and I buy a kitchen, we might buy it once in 10 years. But if a designer, if you reach a designer, they might have two to five clients. So when that started happening, I started realizing, okay, I got to connect everybody together and bring maybe a realtor or two to these luncheons. And the realtors want to meet the yacht brokers or the other, you know, even other complimentary. I think that realtors can compliment and refer to each other as well. I mean, a realtor down south in Miami doesn't really want to go up to Palm Beach. No, I always refer business out. My, my, I'm not going to drive more than 30 minutes. That's my, that's my max. And I love that about you, Debbie. And that's why you're the perfect person to bring into our network, because you even said it earlier um, in this conversation. And you said, I believe in co-opetition. And the first thing I do is go to my Rolodex, which I call it that too. So I'm in the same little genre here, but you go to your Rolodex and you think about the fact that you take that time to think about who I can refer to give back to who's in my network here, who can, Mm -hmm. Called, you know, that's reciprocity and it'll come back. And that's what my group is all about. I mean, I really don't want everyone in our group. I, I keep it small. I'm not trying to be this big giant magazine that's got, you know, 50 kitchens in there and 20, you know, I, I really try to limit competition of certain categories of business, even right down to realtors. I try to give them their little core area of where they work and everybody sort of has their pocket and so forth. So, mm-hmm. so that you can make a more, you know, again, there's going to be overlap of competition, but I like what you said, co-opetition and kind of creating that network of people in synergy. So yeah, the lunches unfortunately aren't happening right now. So now we do them virtually though. We have virtual um, networking that we're doing and we're now doing virtual home shows as well, which has been really successful. Well, that I'm interested to hear about those um, because I have several segments of my businesses. I'm sure many realtors do, but one of the things I do to make my clients happy is Clients in the luxury price point, as I'm sure you know, like turnkey things. So they don't want to take on a project. They want to buy something or if they buy something, they'll come back in three or six months and it needs to be move in ready. So 
I have a construction team ready to go and they come in and I listen to my clients and they tell me what they want. They give me their budget and we're ready to go. So we like home shows. We like meeting the designers and my crew can do just about anything. So it's very important though to understand um, what your client is looking for. And your guide is important because it has lots of great things. Now, some of our clients are on the very ultra luxury end and they want that custom wine room and some are more entry level where they may just need a closet built out or maybe an outdoor kitchen. And um, I believe you had, um, I forget the swimming pool company name on it, but I was on one of the uh, virtual days. Oh, right, right. And um, they do amazing work. Kirk, yeah, Kirk Pools. And um, they do amazing work. And so it was nice to see them on. And I can attest that they they do, do beautiful um, backyard designs and pools. And so um, how you put people together is, is very important. And, um, and yeah. the builders um, who come in, like some builders are great in one area, and they specialize in that area. So everyone has their specialty. And I I think you do a great job at, at putting that together. So one of the, the questions I had for you is um, what, what do you see or share with us and our listeners, what has been your most unique luxury experience or the most unique luxury experience you've helped create? Okay. So I guess for me, the one of the most uh, things that I really enjoy, well, I have been flown on a private plane to some, to Bimini I went to and Sarasota did overnight um, stays. But one of the most luxury experiences I did, um, I was invited to uh, Carmel, Mexico, and I was put up in a resort and um, I was able to bring a guest. And at the time, um, not, well, not just at the time, still I'm not, but I wasn't dating anyone. And so I could have brought a friend, but I said, you know, I want to go on travel by myself. So I decide um, I'm going to go travel by myself. And it's going to be the start of a book that I'm writing about how to be able to travel alone and be by yourself. So I go by myself. Well, part of the trip was actually, they wanted me to experience their honeymoon suite. Oh my. <laughs> I did. I got that. And daily, I was in their honeymoon suite. I had this gorgeous, I mean, it was just simply beautiful. Everything was done to the nines. And every day, like it was champagne and strawberries. But the best part was they put out on the beach one night for me to go to dinner. My dinner was out on the beach under a tent. I had a butler. I'm by myself. I think I would have had to pick up the pool boy or something. I don't know. (laughs) I was flirting a little, but um, no, but, um, and it was so funny. People were walking by, walking by. Finally, this lady, she's a dentist out of New York. She comes up to me and she's like, hi, can I bother you for a second? And I said, sure. She's like, why are you by yourself? And I said, oh, I'm here on a, um, a media trip. We're writing about the, the resort. And I said, and so, um, I said, plus, I'm also writing a book on how to be able to travel by yourself or be alone without feeling lonely. Mm-hmm. And 
So she was so intrigued by that. We sat, she's like, my family and I, we've been over here. We had bets that you either were here mourning the loved, a lost one, or like everybody had these bets. They couldn't believe I'm sitting out on the beach. People are walking. It's like public, to, essentially. I've seen it. I've seen those um, sitters on the beach, yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. It was an incredible luxury experience. But fortunately, I'm surrounded by a lot of opportunities to see beautiful luxury things and stuff. But really what I love about, um, again, that for me, our philosophy is the true meaning of luxury is when you have the ability, time is luxury, being able to have disposable income is a luxury to be able to give back and so forth. So a big part of my, when I find my best joys is um, being able to experience again, giving back, helping a lot. Of, we've helped over 50 charities in the 10 years I've been around. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's a great platform for that. So that actually is going to be the topic of our second podcast interview is how to get involved in the community and the fabric of a community and give back in um in south florida so we have a have a great guest who's gonna share on that because once you find where you're gonna live get your house ready start enjoying some of the amazing restaurants maybe find your boat if you're on the water get your kids in the right school if you have kids or grandkids then you take a look at the community and we've been blessed with such amazing gifts and money that we're called to give back. We're called to be difference makers, I call it. And um, how do we do it with wisdom and make sure we're giving in the right places that really need our help, our talents, maybe our time, maybe our money, maybe our, um, our skill set. Maybe we were head of a university. Maybe we um, managed a, a mutual fund or whatever our skill set was. Yeah, we can give back to the community in many ways. So our our next podcast guest will share a little bit about that and how to get involved in the giving community of South Florida. But that, what you said, yeah, that's great. So very already you're doing the connecting because when you have her on, I thought I'm definitely gonna love to listen in. But we're doing a new um, initiative where anybody who subscribes to receive the print publication at home. Um, we'll give 50% to the charities. So this way they have a residual platform and any charity that participates in that gets complimentary coverage every single issue. That is an amazing thing because our our charities during this time of COVID have suffered. um, and, And I remember somebody saying, I heard it on the news saying, I used to donate monthly to the food bank and now I'm in the line at the food bank. Yeah. And that really broke my heart. That just gave me chills. Yeah. And, um, and so that actually um, was a project uh, that my Girl Scouts voted on to give uh, 10% of our profit from Girl Scout cookies last season to mm-hmm. the food bank because of COVID. And so yeah. we're getting ready to actually do a food drive in the real estate communities that I farm where we have a, a postcard. And I don't know if you know this statistic, but over 265,000 children go hungry each and every day in Broward County. That's just Broward County. You serve three counties. Yeah, that's not acceptable for me. That's so, so we're going to take two bags. I'm going to have them printed. 
And we're one bag is for the family to go like grocery shopping for themselves. And the other bag it will be, they can just text us and one of our Girl Scouts will go pick up the bag full of food and drop it off to food banks. And so the girls are very excited about um, being able to give back to the community in that way. And the last time I did a food drive, it was just me and my, my daughter, but we collected over 3,000 pounds of food, which was really pretty awesome. Love it. That's amazing. That's fabulous. Yeah. So definitely when you have her on and then maybe make the introduction because this will be residual ongoing for them. And so not only are they going to, it'll be a, um, a fundraiser for them, but equally they're going to get the exposure. It's interesting. I just did a, for our 10 year anniversary, I wish I would have thought of it sooner. I got too late of a start, but I was um, giving money. I think you actually, um, I, I did donate. Yes. Yeah, so we covered your charity in the, that that um, Hope South Florida, yeah, the homeless. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I wish I would have thought of it sooner. We could have gotten so many more. But do you know, Debbie, that I had four people email me, Lynette, I want to participate, but I don't know a charity. What would I'm I'm close to like I'm I said, well, what feel would it be? What do you feel in your heart? Well, I feel bad for like battered women. I'm like, okay, so we'll find one for you that we think. And so. My point of that is that, so it sparked me that my next issue, I'm creating a guide of all the types of charities and what areas need help so that people can, you know, they also, I think more people would give back if A, it was in front of them. Again, people can search and they're not going to Google and they're not going to find, but if you get a printed, you know, piece and it's talking about it and hey, any little bit helps, even if, you know. Again, if it's uh, an opportunity, even just educate the and the charities get the exposure, plus they get the well, having the free ad in your guide is so amazing. Yeah. And I, I will tell you that I didn't even know about that charity until Keller Williams. We close down one day every year. It's the second Thursday of the month internationally, and each office picks a charity to spend an entire day at all of the agents are asked to donate their time. And it was that charity. So we, we painted the outside of a building, we stripped the floors. And um, so I asked the director, I said, well, clearly we did not complete your project. So I'm going to send my contractors back to finish, finish your project. And, um, and they finished off the bathrooms and my girls bought furniture for them. And uh, I was so proud of them. And then yeah. the next year, we they actually did, um, it's a homeless shelter, but it's run by a church. And so the next year, Keller Williams decided to do part two. So then I brought in my painters again and um, my two main construction guys. But the good thing is, is that I, like you, if you're going to, if I'm going to refer you tons of business, hundreds of thousands of dollars of business each year, you've got to give back. Yeah, to you. Absolutely. I'm definitely about that. I, reciprocity to me is just, and again, I think people don't realize there's so many people that are unhappy, that are wealthy and unhappy, that have 10 times the money in the bank that I do, yet I'm so happy. And I think that if people realize the joy, it's almost selfish to give back because actually I think the person who receives the, the most out of it is the person giving. And I think that if people realized that, that it really is just, it's a great First of all, thing to pay it forward, give back, you know, but it's also something for yourself. You're giving to yourself as well. Well, I I think as we grow older and I think watching 
my mom as she grew older, she's passed away now, and my stepdad, um, I think volunteerism is what keeps people young. And then young kids actually relate to the older people better. And it, and it keeps the older people younger because they understand what the, the kids are going through. But I remember um, my mom rocking um, abandoned babies or babies that um, were addicted to drugs. Mm -hmm. And um, so some, some of the things she did, I didn't understand. And, but she said, Debbie, we're all called to be a difference maker. So um, whether we, whether it's through money or giving of our time or whatever small way. So I think that's important. And um, your difference maker is by asking your subscribers or vendors to give a very small amount. The donation you asked for wasn't large at all. When Tyler called me, I was like, I, I mean, I would have been happy to give four times that amount. And, and I didn't even know you were featuring the charity. So that's like a really big plus for that. Yeah. So, um, and I will tell you what has happened is that once Keller Williams got involved in the, that project, then like other um, bigger names, like they got senior management from the Panthers involved. And then that one person led to more relationships. So it's all this networking thing that you talk about. And then uh, one of the major producers in our office got asked to be on the board of directors and it, it was all through connections. So now they have a really strong um, woven fabric in, that goes out into the community and their donation base has increased like tenfold. So they wow. have the ability to truly impact the homeless situation in the in Broward County. So it makes a, a gigantic difference. So it, exposing your readers to, hey, here's a list of charities and they need help and they need help now. Would you please assist? Yeah. Anything, anything will make a difference. Yeah. That's, that's a great plus. Yeah. So you really, you're the ultimate connector for um, <laughs> people who live here, people who um, are in the luxury vending business. Yeah. And so it, it makes a difference on all fronts. Absolutely. And it's my passion. So yeah, when we do expand to other markets, now we'll also be able to connect people across markets as well. Because again, they don't know, let's say they're sending a client over here, and they don't know, you know, exactly who they can send them to or, you know, so now through this network, once we're expanding into the other markets, it's going to be good too. So that would, that would be great. I mean, you can do the start with uh, our feeder market, so to say. Exactly um, what we will be doing. So one of the thoughts that um, one of the questions I had is that um, where do you see, given the economy the way it is, it's very robust down here in South Florida, but some of the other parts of the states are not as robust. Where do you see the luxury experience going in the next um, 24 months, 18 to 24 months? Do you see people continuing to want luxury items? Do you see them spending on more on necessity or do you see them um, really in continuing to enjoy luxury in an understated way or more of an overstated way? So that's a really good question. And I think that generally speaking, um, you know, the, the people who have gotten to the point where they've worked and they've worked for many years, they've got 
money still. I think that um, they're still going to spend money, you know, period. They're, that's always going to be the case. Will they hold back a little bit more for a little while? There's going to be those people that will and so forth. Um, it hasn't seemed to affect, think, you know, goodness that, um, like you said, we're a business friendly. We tried to stay, you know, open. It has um, not affected the luxury industry as much. And especially again, we're in the home industry. I think more people because they were staying home, a lot of our content in the publication, we actually had gotten more people emailing to get subscriptions than we have ever had directly. Because normally we we buy a mailing list and we send out proactively to people within the higher net worth zip codes, because our goal is to make sure we help our clients who are our advertisers get in front of the right people. And so what better way to do than to show up in their physical mailbox, not an email box, a physical. So um, we typically buy our mailing list, but, you know, print is going up and everything. And that's why we started to launch the subscription program, really, because we've gotten so many people who have gone online to subscribe from us. We had one guy buy a Ferrari from the publication. He's like, you guys are so cheap. He's like, can I buy three years of subscription? Wow. <laughs> yeah. And ironically, even more so the past three subscriptions we've gotten in the past week have been men, which is another interesting thing to me. That's an interesting demographic, but I will say, so while this is a very interesting statistic for you that you may not have known, over 80% of all buying decisions are influenced by women. Of course, that, yes, you would definitely. Okay. However, it is still, it is still the men's money. That's exactly, well, when we get our mailing list, remember we're mailing to the household, right? Mm -hmm. Get the mailing list, it is, it'll look, if I did my statistics, when people ask, oh, what is your statistics of who you're reaching, men or male or female? First of all, it's a household. So it's a household name, right? The man, it's in the man's name often. There's women out there too. I mean, look, we're business. Well, women. women are starting businesses at a much faster rate than men. Yeah. yeah. But look, it's still getting in the house to the man. It might be coming in the man's name, but they're both looking at it. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. But it, it is a very interesting statistic. What's to, that interesting? I, and, you know, if you think about it, though, let's think about, um, men, I think, I don't know the statistics, maybe do. But if you do think about Instagram and Facebook, I don't see men doing that as much as women. And so I think on Instagram, a lot of men are there, not on Facebook, though. But men, especially younger men, are very addicted to it. Yeah, I think younger, I think just in general, again, but I had somebody I was uh, talking to and she's like, yeah, we're spending, you know, more of our money on social media. And I asked her, can I ask you what your average age is of your clientele? And she said, I would say probably 50 and up. And I said, so why are you spending most of your money to reach those that are more in the 20s, you know, and she said, well, because eventually they will buy. And I said, well, that is true. And I can't argue that, but spend 80% on your of your budget, maybe on the people spending now, that's how you're going to keep your roof alive and maybe allocate a certain to get the ones that eventually will. But people don't think like that. I think that, you know, for me, marketing and business, I love it. I just love it because it's such psychology. It's such, there's such logic and common sense to it. And sometimes when you're running your own business, 
you sort of get tunnel vision. So as a marketer, I have to stay bird's eye view. And I, my client isn't just the paid advertiser. My client's the reader as well, because if I'm not appealing to the reader and reaching them and, and, you know, continue. So I really have to stay Switzerland and I have to get this bird's eye view and not allow myself to be clouded by, oh, everybody does this or, you know, no one does that anymore. Everyone does this. It's really important to steer away from those types of words because everybody doesn't yeah. do anything. Correct. Never, always, yes, no, everyone, always. no one. Those words are, are incorrect. We are in the middle, middle of the biggest wealth transfer from baby boomers to millennials. And um, interestingly enough, in because we watch where the money flows into the luxury market in the couple of associations I'm um, involved in, in, in the real estate luxury section, I shouldn't say just say luxury market, but it is very interesting that the millennials were very resistant to buying a real single family home. Very, very resistant. Why? The last four years, four to five years. So, but they were married, but they would buy a townhouse or they would rent. It was, and that's like just flushing your money down the toilet. In fact, I just had a conversation with a very wealthy millennial. We drove down to the Keys. Um, he's in the real estate business. And um, he said, Debbie, I do not believe in owning your home. I believe in buying investment real estate. And I said, that's a very interesting perspective. Now, this gentleman is um he's 34 and um but he has accomplished in the five years that i've watched him is amazing his tax return is a little bit thicker than mine (laughs) he how watching him do business is a very interesting undertaking and so he said look at it this way he said let's just say the economy tanked again and you went bankrupt, you could lose your house. I said, well, I wouldn't lose my house because it's paid off. He goes, but that's a ton of money not working for you. But if you just rented your house, you would pay $5,000 a month. And let's say your business fell apart, you would just hand the landlord the keys. And I thought, that's a very interesting way to look at things, but that's not the way I was raised. I like owning my own house. Um, and so um, I'm just thinking that in my head. Yeah, he, yeah. he said, but my wife and I, we live in, um, in Missouri and we have a penthouse that overlooks the city and it costs me $5,000 a month. If I was to buy it, it would be 7 million and I'd be paying a mortgage on that. But I can take that money that would be tied up in the 7 million and now I control 20 properties in South Florida. I, I get his rule of thumb, but sometimes it's actually cheaper to own than it is to rent. If you're home, it is in South Florida. In South Florida, it is. That's what I found because, yeah, I mean, by the time you can homestead and do write-offs, and you know, again, um, he makes some valid points. You know, I, I'm I I love to hear like this to me is so interesting too. Because so that was a very interesting mindset of a millennial. And the wealth transfer is taking place from his parents to his brothers and sisters now, you know, annually. And so I thought, I have never heard, you know, face-to-face perspective. 
you know, I've read about it, but I'm like, that is an unusual perspective, but to hear it, hear somebody explain the thought process to me one-on-one was a completely different perspective. So that's why I asked you, where do you see the luxury market going? Do you think people are going to spend now? I'm seeing people spend, I'm still, I'm still seeing all cash buyers yet, yet to this day, as long as I've been a luxury realtor, I have never financed, none of my clients have ever financed a purchase. And my, my poor um, lender, my preferred lender in the office, she just looks at me and she goes, I know, I know you can't bring me a deal because all your clients are cash buyers. I'm like, yes, they are. I'm so sorry. And um, it, it's just the way that's, it's my yeah, business yeah. model. And look, if I had that, you know, again, if you have the cash, I mean, there's some, they say that there's some good things to have some type of mortgage sometimes, but yeah. Well, what they do is they buy cash and then they will typically refinance um, through one of their financial relationships because money is so cheap right now. And I advise them to do that. I'm like, you really, I I tell them, I'm like, if you want to close fast, it needs to be cash. Um, but it, money has never been so cheap. So I would recommend that you slap some kind of mortgage yeah, on exactly. while money is so cheap. Exactly. When it's like so cheap, like it is now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so now one of the things this is, um, I, I want to ask because you, you curate all your vendors together. So one of the things that I, I, we of course provide concierge services for all of our guests in our luxury homes. But one of the ideas that I came up with, um, is that to create unique experiences that our guests could go through a book and say they wanted to have a wine tasting experience at home or have a master jeweler come in and um, show different handmade pieces and say, hey, these are um, jewels, you know, that we could create into whatever piece you would like designed or I already have the yacht thing going on. We can take you on a charter for a few days, but um, we could have one or two artists come in and do a private art showing and pair that with a wine tasting at the same time. Now, do you think that's something that your readers would enjoy? And um, do you think that the end user, a, a luxury vacation user, a high end, somebody paying typically 20,000 a week and might stay there two to four weeks would enjoy that kind of experience. 1,000%, 1,000. We have so many, you know, there are definitely so many things. People love, again, ideas. After a while, you know, you get bored. And, you know, just because if you are, you, you have the money, you want even more so to be entertained with new, experiential, unique things to do. So, um, I 100% think that um, that would be my readers would love that. And um, I just hired someone new because um, my, my problem is, is that I have so many ideas that, and I'm an executor usually. And unfortunately they have to sit dormant because to get enough people and just time and, you know, to execute them all. But that's actually one of the things that, um, we have done, we've done experiential events and stuff like that in the past. We've done the wine pairing tasting, which is a beautiful thing. We actually did it at a listing home that was selling for 35 million. Lalique was one of our core um, sponsors and they served the champagne out of their um, 
beautiful lily glassware. We had my wealth manager client involved. We had the South Florida Symphony. I brought them in to play and uh, it was a beautifully nice event. The guests loved it. But yeah, we've done, I did another event at a client's showroom because a lot of times the clients want to get people into the showroom too. So it was a seven course tasting pairing. So we had the chef pairing little bite size items with the wine. And yes, people love that stuff. I think more so now, and especially again, with COVID um, situation, but I think that the smaller experiential events are not only more enjoyable, but they're more effective as well for creating relationships and, and, and so forth. So big okay. I did, since you've been in the um, industry of putting people together, I was just wondering if you thought based on feedback from your subscribers and um, vendors, if the events you had done had turned out as well as you had thought. 1000. Oh. Absolutely. Awesome. 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 I'm so glad to hear that. Um, so share with me um, any closing thoughts you have on, on what you think um, people, the end user can expect from the luxury guide in the, in the next year. And then um how to contact you if we're a luxury vendor mm -hmm. um, and would like to um, advertise in your guide mm -hmm. as well. So those two things as an, as a subscriber where they can go to and um, if they want to curate a luxury experience, um, right. the best way to do that. Perfect. Where we're going is there's a lot of exciting new things happening, actually. One thing that happened, um, you know, I always say something good comes out of something bad if you know how to see the silver lining and everything. And that's my forte. So when all this happened, it made me step back for a second and reevaluate and do things differently. So we're going to be executing a lot of things. Like I said, this charity program, when events can start up again, the experiential events type of thing again. Um, as far as the vendors being able to contact us, I mean, um, our website is luxuryguideusa.com. My um, email is Lynette at Luxury Guide. We have all types of packages. We have marketing only packages. We have digital only packages. We have marketing and business development packages where I'm, I've got 25 years experience in marketing. So I come in and I actually help my clients with their full-on marketing services. Even if they have a marketing coordinator, um, I still come in from a higher level and give them ideas and then their marketing coordinator can execute for them. Um, we have packages where I'll help them instead of some businesses actually do better with not a traditional ad, but what's referred to as advertorials, which are is engaging content that's educating the consumer or the reader. People don't like to be sold, but they will buy and they'll buy when they understand something. So you can't get a buy in or a aha moment unless you make them understand it. And so we, we're really good at those. We're doing a shopping catalog section now that oh, we're- That'll be fun. And because we've always had it in the back of our publication, but we're actually creating it so smaller businesses can actually afford to be in the publication with even just a small product in the back. So they're shared. It's 
shared marketing or shared office space has become such a big thing because you can share the costs with the receptionist in the room. So now we're creating shared marketing packages. So, um, and it's, it's great because now you're bringing together other businesses and different products where they might be able to just highlight things. Maybe it's a side business for someone and they want to try to, you know, um, test the waters, yeah. you know, test the waters and maybe they're great at making these custom lamps and they want to give it a try. And we're actually, seeking products that are unique finds um and so that we don't so that again when you get the luxury guide in the mail we don't look like everything else i like to have of course everybody likes to see their brand names of stuff but one of the things i like to do is keep it unique um i don't know if you remember the sky mall publications years yes, i loved the sky everybody whenever i bring that up everybody says i loved that you know because it was different products i used to steal it and take it home and figure out what i was going to buy yeah. i don't mind you stealing it that's a good thing so we're actually going back to that with um unique items i mean we already started a unique finds page in the spring issue that's coming out but we're going to be doing that so there's a lot of exciting stuff for the readers and the small business people. So they don't have to feel like it's unapproachable to get in. Now, granted, we do have to, we do have to vet our businesses. We can't start, you know, we do have to keep everything to a certain caliber and luxury of business. Of course, yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean it has to have a branded name on it. You know, that it could actually be a nice, amazing product that's being custom made right here from a local guy that's been wanting mm -hmm. So. Well, to me, that sounds like it would be perfect for the artist um, yeah. to get known. So yeah, handmade items or even perhaps they have ramped up production, but it's not a giant um, production right, exactly. ready showroom yeah. or maybe they don't have a giant showroom yet. No. Um, and so it's unique pieces. Or maybe they'll do pieces on commission, but they're just not getting enough exposure. So this might right. be a good way for them. Yeah. And um, I even thought of a tie-in. And I know we're very close on ending. Um, so maybe somebody has an item that they may want to donate a percentage of or all of the proceeds to the charity, um, which would allow them yeah. to um, have that charity featured. Definitely. The other component of what's exciting coming ahead too. So yeah, luxuryguideusa.com. My my name is Lynette. And so, um, you know, it's L-Y-N-E-T-T-E -T -T -E at luxuryguideusa.com. So if anybody wants to contact me, whether it's to learn more about how their charity can get presented, whether they're interested in finding out about our marketing packages, um, definitely open to... Or how, if for some reason you can't find the luxury guide and would like to get a back Absolutely. copy or current copy, yeah. Yeah. reach out to Lynette. And Lynette, thank you for being um, the first guest of uh, South Florida's Luxury Lifestyle Podcast. And um, you've given us so much great content and I can't um, thank you enough thank for you. all the great information you shared. And I look forward to giving you the link so you can um, share it with your subscribers and and uh, spread the great word about how fast you're growing and how great South Florida is to live and enjoy the luxury lifestyle and give back to our community. So thank you That's again. Fun. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Right. Bye. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> Bye.
Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating $1 million in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.